You got your Bibles with you? Get them out. Come on. The Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, we can help you find one. If not, go to this crazy place called Amazon and just order one. You can get your initials on it if you want, your whole name, your nickname, whatever it is. Just make it yours. Use it. Read it. Get it inside of you. Let it change you because it always does. And it's beautiful when that happens. While you're turning to the chapter 23 in the book of Acts, I'll tell you we've got... We're going to finish that, Lord willing, today, and we've got five more chapters in Acts. Can you believe that? Five more chapters. We're going to have a big celebration after, and it's going to be amazing. It's been quite a journey, almost a year through the book of Acts. Really, really incredible watching this. And um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint. It's an incredible privilege to be able to just pause on Sundays and worship together, right? Because, like, our world invades our space, man. It, like, tries to steal our peace. The devil's always like stirring stuff up, right? He is, but God is always good. That's what we've understood and understand and will understand about him. So when we, we started this journey a while ago, we looked at Paul's life a little bit later on. He kind of shows up on the scene later on, but I want to take you back to chapter 1, verse 8. This is a verse that we really started with and said this is going to kind of be our theme verse because you don't need to be the apostle Paul. Right? You don't need to be me. I don't need to be you. You don't need to be Pastor Janet. By the way, you almost got the rocket today. I thought I wasn't going to be able to preach, and I'm not sure you guys can handle the rocket. So uh, she's like, you want me to preach? And she went in full mode, like just uh, stomping around the house. And I was like, whoo, el cohete en la casa. Right? You, know, you guys aren't ready. You're not ready for that. So um, anyway, she got, God helped me, and so we're here today, and it's great. But what we, we saw in that verse is, is crucial for you to get because... Paul's not coming back to 2023. He's dead. None of the apostles are coming back. They're dead. But you're here. So Acts 1a says, but you shall receive. But you shall receive. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my. All right, you guys got it, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth or your concentric circles, wherever you're at, your neighborhood, homestead, uh, South Florida, Florida, the United States, the rest of the world, all of that, those are your concentric circles. And if you are awake at all and you are on social media at all or even now you've seen the news and you know that there is a problem in our society, right? There's people like getting shot and dying in Walmart. That's a problem. That's not okay with me and it shouldn't be okay with you. And so what do we do with that? We become the witnesses of God. We begin to tell everybody everywhere about Jesus. Say you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to go after that. You don't have to be violent. You don't have to smoke dope or or get drunk or or, or fight or or go through situations where you just hate everybody and hate your family and hate society and want to kill yourself. You don't have to go through that anymore because there's a God who loves you and you are you are special and called and chosen to live in this time and that He wants to take all of your brokenness and He wants to patch you up and make you completely whole and put your bro- what used to be brokenness back into beauty and your ashes for beauty and put it with mine and become the church of Jesus Christ right here in South Florida to to minister in in a way that nobody else could. That's you. You. Me. That's that's it. And so what, what Paul understood was that was his role in that time in the early church, that he had to absorb that, that he had to live that out. He had to own the mistakes that he had done. He had to take it on and, and, and receive what was in front of him, the path. And there's always a path forward for you. 
right? There's always a path forward for you. And so Paul began to absorb that. And what we saw is him begin to live it out. And it wasn't easy all the time. He ministered. Sure, he was highly intelligent. He understood cultures, plural. He was multilingual, highly talented, highly intelligent, a great arguer of the law. But most importantly, he was filled with the presence of God. He was filled with the Spirit of God and being used and obedient and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And he's walking this out. And so what we see in the, in the most recent chapters is it caused them some trouble. And all he wants to do, really, what the last couple of weeks was, was get to Jerusalem. I just want to tell my friends. I just want to tell my friends about Jesus. I just want to get, if I could just get to Jerusalem, some of these guys I went to school with, right? I would go all the way back to school with them. We hung out together. We studied under Gamaliel together. We learned the law together. We observed the law together. We did Passover together. We did all of these feasts and, and hung out with each other. It was great. And now I've met Jesus, and I don't know about them, and I want to get to Jerusalem to, to tell them about Jesus. And it wasn't well received, as we saw, and they, they beat him. They begin to try to take his life right there in the streets until the Roman guards show up, the tribune, and they, they take him away. They're like, man, we're going to save your life, bro. They were literally trying to beat him. And at, at one point he says, as they're taking him away, Pastor C.B. preaches, that he waved his hand over the crowd. He said, can I speak to him? And he waves his hand over the crowd, and he preaches the gospel to them. They still weren't receptive. They still wanted to kill him, right? Still wanted to hate him. Still wanted to throw him down. Still wanted to see him wiped out. And the, and the Roman guard takes him away. And even then the Roman guard wants to beat him himself. And what I want you to see today is where we pick up as he has stood before the Sanhedrin. He stood before the, the Pharisees, the leaders of the leaders, and, and he's gone against them. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm just trying to tell you, but they wouldn't have it. And the last place we left off last week was verse 11. It said, the following night, the Lord stood by him. Man, what a line. Some of you think you're all alone. You might feel lonely, but you're never alone. You understand that? You are never alone. You might feel lonely. You are never alone. The following night, the Lord stood by him and asked him and said to him this. Take courage. Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so now you must testify also to Rome. Paul's always been called to the Gentiles. He's always been called to the people outside of the original covenant of God. He's always been called to them. He had a love for the people of Jerusalem, his brothers and sisters, but he was called to the Gentiles to share, really to everybody. But he wanted, again, to see his brothers open up their heart to Jesus and change everything. So now Jesus shows up to him and says, take courage. And it's interesting to me that he says, take courage, because we look at the apostle Paul and we're like, this guy is the picture of courage. Except for if it says it in scripture, that means he needed it. How many of you need courage? You need to be take courage. You need, you need to use some boldness. You need some holy boldness on you. Well, yeah, all of us. That's why it says in Scripture, fear not. Take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. All of these things because he knew we would struggle with it. But here's what Paul understood about his life is that God had a very specific plan for him. Very specific. And the plan was not to live right here in this place and gather immense wealth. And to hang out and to be all powerful amongst the people, that was not God's plan for his life. God's plan was very different, and Paul understood that. And he knew that ultimately he was going to get to heaven to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, right? How many of you are ready to get there one day? And, and what Paul understood, he, he was already releasing this life. He had already said to, to some of the other people, said, listen, you can, you can have this. Like, I, I'm ready to go right now, but it's a little better if I stay around and teach you for just a little bit longer. But I'm, I'm ready to go for me to live as Christ, for me to 
the die is getting. See, you, you, you got it too. And the older you get, right, and the more established you get and rooted and grounded in the Lord and in his word, you start caring less about this place, right? And you start wanting to go where? Home. How many of you know that with him is home? This is not home. This is a place that we hang out with at best for 100 years. And I'll tell you, honestly, I don't even want to live to 100 years. I'm already achy, and my knees hurt, and my back hurts, and I get kidney stones. I just want to go home. And if he takes me home today, then God bless you. Take care of my wife and take care of my daughter because I'm going to be home, home with Jesus. Amen? I'm ready to do that. When you guys are ready, I'm ready. Paul understood that. He understood that God had a plan for his life. And if God has said, you're going to go here, there is nothing in the world that can stop that. Ooh, that is good news because the Lord has told some of you something. You're going to go here in the situations and the tribulations and the trials in the old King James. The calamities of your situation make you feel like you're never going to get there. But if God said it, we believe it and we're going to it. Now, it might take a little bit to get there and we might have to go through some things, but we are here to stay. And even against the church. Man, the devil wants the church to sh just be quiet. You know that? He wants you to be quiet. And so he'll throw some things at you. And sometimes when I get upset, the first thing I do is get quiet. You know? Because I, I know if I get loud, I'm going to run my mouth and say something terrible. That's so why I just get quiet. And that's not, that's not the best thing. But I, I think sometimes we've got to get there and we've got to keep believing that we're here to stay. If the Lord said it, we're going through it. Right? So we are here to stay, right? I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what your neighbors say. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what anybody says because the gates of hell will not prevail against God's plan, right? We understand that. We believe it. I believe it, but help my unbelief, right? So now we're going to pick up verse 12. Let's go. Got to get through this day. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. For there were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. And these are the same guys that had just tried to take him out. And now they're saying, guys, maybe one of them chimes up and says, you know what? I'm not going to eat till this guy's dead. Who's with me? And 40 people go, we got your back, bro. You would think that somebody would go, this is insanity. We're going to kill this guy? Like, we're going to take an oath? First of all, I get hungry, folks. And, I mean, I'll, like, I'll fast for the Lord, but I'm not going to fast to kill somebody. You know what I mean? This is crazy behavior. Forty people went along with this. And we know, by the way, we know that oaths are not a good thing. If you've ever taken an oath in your life, you need to renounce that in the name of Jesus, right? The only one we belong to is the Lord. It says in verse 14, they went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food. So we have killed Paul. They went to the elders. These are the leaders of the leaders in the church. The top dogs, the experienced one. And you would think one of them would say, well, why did you do that? Well, why would, why would you be planning on killing somebody? But that's not what they said. What they did is that now, therefore, they continue to talk to him along with the council. Give notice to the tribune. Bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. This is some scheming stuff. Whoever said the Bible is boring, they haven't read it. They haven't read it. This is some real soap opera type stuff here, right? I mean, really. really. And you start thinking, it like, if you don't know the end of the story, I could stop right there. And probably most of you would go, well, what happened? I'm like, well, read the Bible. 
<laughs> it's right there in front of you. You get to read it, but, but you know, a lot of you don't read it, so you're waiting for me to tell you, so I'll tell you. Will their scheme work? Is this the end for Paul? No, of course it's not. Something's going to happen, something amazing. And what we're going to see is the protection of God's plan in Paul's life. This is crazy. And he's going to use some unlikely characters along the way. First one is this, verse 16. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went out and entered the barracks and told Paul. How many of you knew, be honest, how many of you knew that Paul had a, had a sister? A few of you. But most, look, most, most of you had no idea that Paul had a sister. This is the first and only time that they show up in Scripture. And even that itself starts bringing questions to mind. So now his nephew shows up on the scene. Well, was he part of the religious group? I don't know. Well, how did he know? Why is he going to Paul? Who told him? How does he have access to Paul? How did, like all this stuff, all these questions start to play out and the secret plot is unfolding in front of us. And what I was thinking about this, this week is this, because this is family to him. This is blood family. But some of you don't have blood family that will warn you about terrible things in your life. You don't. Maybe one day they'll, they'll come to the family of God. But listen, if you don't have that blood family, let me tell you something. You have a blood-bought family right here that will tell you the tough things, that will warn you, that will say, hey, this is, this is a dead end for you. This is a trap. I see this, this thing in your life. This doesn't look good. It's called accountability. A lot of people don't want it because we have to be held to it. But it sharpens us, and it's good for you. And family should warn you. And if anybody is leading you to something destructive, you need to watch out for that. So what we see here is Paul's in trouble again. But, of course, with Jesus, is not an absence of trouble. But just because they're trouble doesn't mean there is no help, okay? And I know a lot of people just want to escape. I've, man, I've, I wanted to escape from that kidney stone so bad yesterday. Like, so, just anything, right? Just like, get it out. But even inside of that, you're going through a hard time. You're going through this, and you just want to escape, but maybe if we will just open our eyes and say, God, who do you want me to minister to around here? How, how can I be effective in my, in my suffering? How, who can I tell about Jesus while I'm going through this? Paul in 17 called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune for he has something to tell. So he looked and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, and he has something to say to you. And the tribune took him by the hand, the young man, Paul's nephew, and going aside, he asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him, but do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat or drink until they have killed him, and now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tri tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Now what we're about to see is God's protection begin to come over Paul's life and the path forward that he had for him. Remember, Paul was on a mission. This isn't just some mission. This isn't like, hey, just run to Walmart and pick up something. No, this is a mission for the Lord. This is, this is important stuff. But all over in society, we see that there is, there is stuff trying to encroach on the path that we're trying to move forward on. Everything. It's just always tension. Tension in this. Tension in that. Tension at school. Tension at work. Tension in the home. Tension. Tension. And everything's trying to prevent us from going Forward. But listen to this. Again, nothing can disturb the will of God. 
Nothing can disturb the will of God. So we've got to get some fortitude. We've got to have a little bit more grit and, and stick to in our lives so that we don't quit every time something gets bad. Stop quitting all the time. If you want to quit something, quit acting like a maniac, right? Just start trusting God and moving, moving with him. But nothing can disturb the will. Over and over again in scripture, we see people who were concrete. They weren't always elders. They weren't always old people. What about all the vacation Bible school stories and Sunday school stories? What about Daniel and the lion's den? It's the most ridiculous story, is it not? I mean, it, like, he defies a king. Right? Nebuchadnezzar throws him into the lion's den, shuts the door, and leaves. And the next day, he comes back, and Daniel's got one on the lion as a pillow. And the other one's like licking his feet or something. It's like, he should have been dead. What is this? This is crazy town. But God had protected because he was going to use Daniel, right? Joseph, up, down, pit, palace, second in command of Egypt, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Ridiculous story of God's providence and protection and care for his people, right? Over and over again. King David, we just finished the study in the staff. We studied first and second Samuel, and we saw King David, not a perfect guy, just a guy. Just a guy, but a guy with a heart after God. And was his life perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. He went and served the, 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 the king. He served under Saul. He played music for him and calmed his crazy bipolar self. If you know anything about Saul, that guy was crazy. Crazy as a box of hair, right? But David served faithfully under him and, and ministered to him in a very special way. And then Saul tried to kill him, right? Tried to kill him, tried to wipe him out. Even his own son, Absalom, tried to kill him. This is terrible stuff, but, but David understood. He understood. So he was able to write in Psalm 21, 11, listen to this. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. How many think that feels good? Yeah. That feels good. Because sometimes you think, like, man, this person is just like, oh. They're really trying to take me out, and I don't know. I think they're going to win. They can't win. They cannot win. They cannot win, right, because God's plan is never at risk of failing. The greatest, the greatest one of these stories is that right there. It's the story of Calvary. By, by you, if you think about this in, with your human thoughts, it is literally the most ridiculous thing. That they would take a man and they would beat him one lash from from literal legal death they would drag the flesh from his body maybe his organs were exposed and and they lay in there and after having kept him sleep deprived for hours and spitting in his face and ridicule him in, in a fake mock trial and they beat him half to death and then they say and yeah by the way you got to carry your cross down us one what it's ridiculous I hung that cross up there. Literally, I hung it up there. And as I was hanging it up there, I remember how heavy I thought it was. And I remember thinking about Jesus having to carry the cross after being beat to death, essentially. But not only carrying a physical cross after having been beat to death, but carrying the, the weight of sin, past, present, and future for all eternity. But guess what? God's plan of redemption was never at risk of failing. Jesus was never in danger of not going to Calvary and, and saying, it is finished. It was never going to happen. 
That's what you, you start to absorb that today. It's like, oh, because nobody's beating you today. Like your back is not bloodied. You got a cross to carry, but it looks a lot lighter than Jesus's did. So here we start thinking about this, and I love that the, the protection over the, the path of Paul is really coming, coming into to focus here. And so as they send him off, this is what happens. The tribune, you know, keep in mind, this is the guy that just was going to have him beat just a, a few verses previously, is now seems to be shifting just a little bit towards Paul. He's going to send him off. This is what happens in 23. It says, then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready, 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen, and go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. So we see several provisions here. Again, this guy was just a few verses earlier going to beat Paul. And now he's team Paul. This is important to understand. I'll, I'll break it down for you in a second. Not only did he just like, okay, I'm team Paul, he sends probably anywhere between 50 to 80% of his regiment with him, 470 soldiers for one man. That's, that's a big commitment, right? That's a big commitment. But not only that, in verse 24 it says, also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. What a shift! Prisoners don't, don't ride on horses. That's for the soldiers. That's for the centurions. And even most of the soldiers, well, but guess what? Paul, you're going you're gonna to ride. I'm going to fix this. I know I was going to beat you back then, but I see something. God, is, God has shifted something in my life. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because some of you have been ministered to people that before wanted to see you dead. And now, maybe you have that opportunity. Maybe you were one of those people that just was just warring against people. Just trying to take people out, like literally just doing the, the mo do, doing the most, trying to take people out, trying to lie about them and cheat about them and see them totally gone. Maybe even physically, and God has changed your heart so completely that you now want to minister like that. And by the way, don't despise that if that comes to you. That's not like what we, like the way we would do it, right? How many of you want to honestly want to be saved by an ex-enemy? That's not how I would have wrote it for my own life. You know what I mean? It's like, bro, you don't know what you did to me? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm sorry. And we get, we get the opportunity to make restitution where possible. Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for when this happened, when that happened. I'm sorry. And now I just want you to see Jesus. I just want you... To do it, and we start thinking about the own challenges in our life, the, the ones we're facing. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you're going, "I don't, I don't really have a desire to share with everybody. I just want to share with the people I want to share with." It doesn't work that way. You don't need to be stingy with the gospel. <laughs> like, ah, you guys don't deserve it. I'm gonna go over and you don't get to do that. Not only that. The Tribune goes on, he writes a letter, conveniently leaves some stuff out, but it says in 25, he wrote the letter to this effect, to Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, the governor of Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews. He's talking about Paul. He tells the story. And he was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the, the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing, I brought him down to their council. 
I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charging, charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there were a, was a plot against this man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks. They, they escorted him to safety, and then they, some of them went back, and they continued letting the horsemen go on with him, 70 escorts still. When they had come to Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor. They presented Paul also before him. And on reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Stand with me real quick, please, across here. But we're not done. We're not done just yet. Do you know what the, the praetorium is? This would have been the same Herod that tried to kill all the babies during Jesus' time, all the two-year-olds, two and under, just kill them all because they want to wipe out this one that they said was the Messiah. Same, same Herod. That's his house. That's the palace. There's just a few verses earlier. Paul's, one, one verse said they were going to tear him apart. They were going to tear him apart. Rip his body apart. He's been beat. He's bloody. You know he's sore. <laughs> the boy took a beating from like probably a thousand people. And God said, not only am I going to let this man who used to be your enemy create a path for you, I'm going to put you on a horse. I'm going to do it the easy way. Then I'm going to get you there. And then I'm going to let you rest in the palace. <laughs> I mean, that feels good to know, right? <laughs> now, Felix probably said that the, the legislation really wouldn't want to be bothered with this, this little case that really didn't have anything to do with them. Nevertheless, Paul's on a journey here. This is not the ultimate destination. Listen, listen very carefully, because some of you are so bent on a destination, your destination will be the end of you. If you will, I'm going to help you figure this out. If you will figure out that the journey is home, you'll be much better off. If we're always, if I could get there, there, wherever there is. If I just get there, then I'll be happy, right? If I could just get to retirement. My, my uncle, God bless him, you know, he's with the Lord now, but he worked his whole life and he said, I'm going to get to retirement, I'm going to get to retirement. He got to retirement, he lived one year, and he dropped dead of a heart attack. Well, destination. The journey's home. So Paul was minister in Jerusalem. Jesus said, you've testified to me in Jerusalem. Praise God. I'm going to send you to Rome, but on the way to Rome, you're going to stop by Felix. And he got a few stops along the way, and everywhere, everywhere along the way, you're going to talk about me. You're going to talk about me. And, and, and I love this. I love that this is happening because Paul's on this very important mission from God, just like you. And listen to this. There's a message, and the message is inside of you. If you know Jesus, the message is inside of you. And listen to this. The, must, the message must come out. The message must come out. As you're sitting, some of you are just sitting there at your cubicle. Can't wait for the weekend. The weekend is the destination. It'll kill you. And guess what? All these people are sitting around. 
waiting for you to tell them about Jesus. The message must come out. Yeah, but they might not like it. Who cares? That's not your job to worry about. You're not the savior of people. But Paul is being rescued by his enemies so that he could testify to, P- to Felix all the way to Caesar in Rome. There's a, there's a journey. Oh, one day Paul's in, Paul's in heaven now. One day we're going to get to heaven. It's going to be a great day. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. You don't know that. You don't know anything about old school church. <laughs> Man, it's going to be amazing, but, but what, about, what about you? What about now? What about it? I don't, I don't think that you guys understand how important you are. God's message is going to get out. I'm not saying that he need, he doesn't need anything. He's all sufficient. But listen to this. You don't understand how important you are. If you understood that, it would change everything in your life. Everything. And if you really believe the message that we're here for today, it would also change everything. Nothing's going to be perfect. The journey is home. But here's the question, because you can't, you can't give a message that you don't have inside of you. The first question is, have you received this saving? Have you received the saving? Has he changed your life? If you, if you can't say yes to that today, the good news is you can today. He can change everything today. Jesus is calling. Jesus is building his church. He's building his church. So the, another question is, is just, will you receive him today? Will you receive him? Would you bow your heads with me? looking around in this room. It's just really just a, a time to just be quiet for a second. Sometimes we go all week long and we don't get this still and this quiet before the Lord. Father, I thank you for your presence in this room. We need you, God. We need your help. Listen, nobody's looking around, but how many could just raise your hand and just say, I need help. I need help. I need help. Yeah. And put them down. I just need your help, God. I, I know that sometimes we don't ask for it. We try to manipulate and control it. We're asking for it. And you're a helper. God, I thank you for every person in this room. It's not by accident that we're here today. We're 
vulnerable. You see everything, and you love us the same. That's crazy. It's the craziest thing. You love us. Listen, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Just keep your heads bowed, but we're going we're gonna to pray this. Let's ask God to change us once again. Pray this, church. I believe. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving my life. Now be the Lord over it. Run the show. Help me to live out your message. Give me a holy boldness. Keep me safe. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church. We love, we love you. We love what you're doing. It's incredible. You're incredible, God. Give us a hunger for your word, a passion to follow you, to live it out. Give us a passion to see our coworkers and our neighbors and our friends and all of, all of the people in our path, God. Help us to understand the journey's home. You're equipping, you're shaping. love you. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together, church? I want you to hear this. I said it once, but I really want you to hear this. You need to know how important you are. You're special. Some of you don't believe that. I prayed with a girl here, right here, last week from out of town. She literally told me, I don't believe that anymore. And I said, well, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe God. So if you're in here today and you don't believe that you're special, uniquely called, purpose, that God has a future, a plan, then you don't believe his word because it says in there, he says you are uniquely created. And that he has a purpose and a plan and a future and a hope. And if you will seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. He loves you. You're special. If anybody tells you anything different, you tell them to come see me because they're a liar and they're calling God a liar. I'll set them straight. All right? I love you guys with a tremendous love. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for, we got a few extra seats. I know it's summer, but I believe that we can fill this place up. Don't you believe that, church? Let's fill this up. Each one, let's pray our benediction together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys. See you soon.